hey, since we just have some time to kill, I want to post. A, we're like a little bit behind on something I had planned back in March. So I was going to do best of the best. And we'll do each winner from every year. Well, the last I looked back, the last way we posted was March. So we took oh. a few months off. But on the bright side, so you'll remember, we've done three episodes. The first one was for year one. Two and three were actually for year two because there was a tie. Well, year three's winner was an episode I, I did post earlier this year as one of our favorite episodes. It was um, Lost World of Genesis 1. So well, that's good. today I went in and I re-tagged the, that recent uh, time loop, which is episode 936, our favorite episodes, the Lost World of Genesis 1. I re-tagged it as one of the best of the best, so we don't have to do that. Oh, great. Okay, so there's that. So there, now we have four out there. So we've now made it to 20. 14. I think that's right. That's not right. 11, 12, 13, 14. Yes. So I'm prepared to do best of the best and surprise you with what's about to happen. All right. All right. Here we go. I went, well, is it okay if I'm eating my meat stick? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, what what is it? Is it beef jerky? No, it's a Slim Jim, but it's a giant one. Okay. And this is your supper? Uh, yeah. Kind of. Is it what you do every Tuesday before you come over? You get Sometimes. beef jerky? and uh, I don't always get beef jerky, but it's you'd like it. Look, look who's on the wrapper. I know, I love the Macho Man. Do you want to save the wrapper? I don't want to save it, but I do love the Macho Man. I'm sorry I ripped his face when I was opening my, my meat stick. I forgive you. All right, here we go. This is episode 963, The Best of the Best, part four, What Haunts Us? Is that when we had Cliff on? Welcome to the Play. Sci-Fi Christian, a... bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Ed Anderson. Some earthy name that begins with C. It was Bendy Bono. Hey, Ben. Welcome back. Yeah, this was a good episode. Yeah, you know, you don't particularly like having guests. Well, yeah. But... Yeah, I can understand why. We, blo- we brought Clay on the show because he had just written a book. He had been investigating, um, I, I believe, ghost appearances... But he's a Christian, so he kind of tackled the whole subject with that biblical worldview. And so I I haven't listened to the episode for a few years, but I remember just being captivated by this conversation. And it ended up winning, of course. I mean, the listeners liked it, too. It was I, I went and read his book afterwards. Do you remember what it was called, by any chance? It's undead, it was called uh, some, What Haunts Us. No, no. That's what we called the episode. Uh, I think it was called Undead. Let me go check. Yeah, here we go. Clay Morgan wrote Undead, subtitled... Revived, resuscitated, and reborn. No, that's not it. That's that is his it. other book. Okay, check which other one. So, I'll qu- I'll give some quick facts about this uh, episode that won episode of the year in 2014. Ben, you'll probably remember that this was originally episode 224. We called it "What Haunts Us," although now looking back, we could have named it after his book. Um, and if you know, I'm I'm kind of being surprised along the way on what wins best of the best. Yeah. Or I, I probably would have done this as an our favorite episodes if it hadn't won this category. So, Clay, congratulations. I don't think he listens. I don't think he listens either, but uh, I did enjoy this conversation. So, Ben, why don't you uh, you do the time travel music. When we come back, Ben, we'll tell you the title of the other book that he wrote. I'm not finding it. All right. All right. Episode 224, What Haunts Us? Ben? Are you excited uh, about who we have on today? I am excited about who we have on today. Why don't you give an intro? So, you know, we, we kind of 
we didn't really know a lot about our guest when we uh, found out he was going to be crossing over onto the sci-fi Christian. Uh, but we got to talking and kind of figuring out, you know, hey, what, what topics might you be interested in uh, recording? And what our guest sent back instantly fascinated both of us. Yes. So we have on Clay Morgan from the Story Men podcast. This is story men or storytellers. Story, 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 story men. Yeah. Yeah. So, hello, Clay. Hello, Clay. Hello, men. All right. So, uh, <laughs> that, that works. So, Clay, uh, you know, especially since we're doing the crossover stuff, tell us about yourself, about your podcast, and then any other projects and or then, things that then you're about your on. amazing idea. Oh yeah, of course. Which will probably yeah. lead into some of your projects. Yeah. So, I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Where are you guys from again? The Midwest. Yep. Where Minneapolis, St. Paul. Twin oh, okay. cities. Oh. Yep. Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm from Pittsburgh. I am a teacher and writer. Uh, if I had it my way, although I love teaching, I would probably do more writing. But I teach at a couple colleges here in Pittsburgh. And uh, I've written a book. The first book I wrote was called Undead. And it was about uh, zombies and Jesus and really the, the way that dead people come back to life throughout Scripture and how, uh, metaphorically, a lot of us need to come back to life spiritually. That, that's awesome. Yeah. We've talked about that on the podcast. Was Jesus a zombie? I don't know if that's quite the topic that he meant. Well, no, I went there. You know, I <laughs> oh, okay, talked about okay. zombie Jesus on Facebook. And uh, there's nothing more fun than talking about the Walking Dead in one page and then Lazarus in the next, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah one of our very first episodes was called Zombie Jesus. Yeah, it's a huge – I mean there's like a lot of people who use it you know, really mockingly. But I figured let's, let's have the conversation because there's probably a lot of people who walk out of a movie theater and they're like, wow, imagine if someone could come back to life. That's a great opening to start having a conversation about maybe the fact that that's possible. Right, right. So I do that. I teach and I write. And the podcast is The Story Men. Matt Michelotto's, uh wrote a book called Imaginary Jesus a few years ago, and it became one of my favorite books. So I was basically just like, you know, fanboy. And um, then he wrote another book right when I was finishing up Undead. I heard that he was his new book was called Night of the Living Dead Christian. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So we ended up connecting through me contacting him, and then we all met with J.R. Foresteros from Dayton, Ohio, and the three of us just had this amazing connection, and it turned into a friendship, and then it turned into a podcast, because that's what friendship is in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. There you go. And, uh, and that's where the storyman came from. So we're going into year two, uh, really season three, and we do pop culture, history, and theology. So that's that's the nuts and bolts of, of my life. Yeah, I'm kind of interested sometimes when I hear about podcasting friends and how in some cases they've never actually met in real life so are there any of your co-hosts that you've never met in real life no we met in real life that was uh over a weekend when matt came to ohio to speak at jr's church and then i went out um and we actually like it was right around halloween time and on the spot we were just sitting around talking and uh i said hey let's record this and just turn it into a vlog get some easy content and we sat around talking about uh, like crazy movies and scary things and and some some of the theology behind it and and why we're fascinated by such things and it went really well so then we decided to start a podcast and we knew nothing i mean like nothing the quality was so terrible for a few weeks and we just had to figure it out as we went oh yeah we, we we've been there done that you know back in the good old days where we put a small little microphone on a tv tray and we each sat on one side of it <laughs> 
yeah. yeah those are the those are the fun times that's right yeah. so uh all right so tell us about the topic at hand and how you came up with it yeah when i was writing undead i was having a it was actually uh right after i got a publisher and i remember i was telling um one of the editors some of my ideas and i said you know there's this crazy story in the old testament where king saul is at his wit's end and the philistines are ready to attack and he decides that he's so nervous he's going to go undercover and visit a witch, the witch of Endor. And, of course, this is majorly not allowed to uh, go into a sorceress's um, place. And I guess the joke's on him and the witch because all of a sudden the ghost of Samuel like really uh, shows up. It's one of the craziest spooky Bible stories that – Really, I don't remember like a flannel graph for this one right. in like Sunday school back in the day. So I started telling my editor, you know, it would be really cool to kind of explore that. And she said, well, it sounds like a whole other book. You know, you should definitely keep that on the back burner. And so cut to Undead has kind of run its course and I'm, you know, trying to get into my next thing. And I've really been influenced by some writers um, – who who like to get out there and kind of hit the road for a story. And uh, like uh, Sarah Val and Chuck Klosterman and uh, Tony Horowitz is probably my favorite. And I, I thought, you know, what if I could do that in a way where I kind of explore this cultural fascination? Because it is everywhere, guys. I mean, the fascination with the paranormal, Hollywood is just banking on it. We're going to have paranormal 48 by the time I'm in the retirement home. And it's probably going to draw an audience. Really? I, I thought that one was coming out next week. Paranormal 48. <laughs> yeah, we're about there. Right. By the way, January is the uh, month that Hollywood likes to release horror movies. It's weird. But uh, I just started wondering, okay, so what's the deal? Is it is it something, maybe this fascination that speaks to a larger spiritual longing? And um, at the same time, my personal journey is is filled with ups and downs, just like anybody else. And I have at times felt haunted. and And I think all of us have things in our past that they kind of follow us around. And so I started to connect these ideas and then I started to find out there were some neat opportunities to go kind of hit the road. And uh, I contacted a team of ghost hunters and I, and I contacted an exorcist and then I ended up traveling so far to like six different States and I'm basically hitting the road, asking the question, what haunts us? And at the same time, I'm telling a little bit of my personal story in a way I hope that connects with other people. Uh, there's also just a fascinating string of supernatural tales in Scripture, from that you know King Saul story to the disciples fearing Jesus was a ghost on multiple occasions. Um, so, so what can we know? Is it possible that there really is – uh, the ability for for human to exist in a residual state. What does Scripture say? What do other religious traditions say? Uh, what do these stories mean when people are in churches broaching the subject to pastors or leaders? And uh, a lot of times, guys, you know, it's so uncomfortable. They're kind of told, "Don't bring that up anymore. Don't talk about that." And sometimes people get burned and they leave churches, and they're thinking you have to deal with this really strange, dark stuff that I've experienced. Like it was real to me. And I think that we need to have spiritual answers to what are, I, I, I think, definitely spiritual questions. So that's the gist of, of what I'm after. Yeah, that, that sounds super interesting. So I know you're working on it right now. When can 
people go out and find that book? How like when do you think it'll be published? Oh, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, you know, my agent's shopping it, and hopefully, we'll hear something uh, actually next month. We're, we've got a, we've got some people looking at it, but um, I really hit uh, a lot of those trips last summer. So I've been doing a lot of the writing, and uh, I, I I've written definitely over sixty percent of the book. So wow, hope that I mean awesome. it would be awesome if you know if it's ready to hit the shelves by uh, by this September October. But um, stay tuned. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Okay, so uh, a couple weeks back we were doing uh, episodes. Uh, so I. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but we've been kind of going back through the X-Files and watching just the mythology yeah. episodes. And at the end of one of our last episodes, we asked people, tell us about your paranormal experiences. And so I think a great way to start this conversation, since you've been traveling around, asking uh, people about their stories and finding out what haunts us, uh, do you have, can we start by just talking through some of your favorite stories you've heard so far? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard so many. Are you talking about things that I've personally experienced or people I've heard tell stories? I'd love to hear about anything you've personally experienced. And, but I mean, both. both. <laughs> yes. I don't got I don't got all the good ones. I mean, I, I have some typical, you know, there's a couple of things that happened when I was a kid. And then, you know, we all kind of wonder what was real. But um, well, and if you listen to the X-Files episode, you know about my uh, paranormal background. Well, not exactly. Well, he might want to use it for the book. <laughs> okay, well, let's not talk about that right now. Okay. So, yeah, so Clay, t- talk first about yours, but then as you've been collecting stories for your book, just some of the craziest out there stuff. Um, and what we're interested in is, of course, you know, as Christians, we believe in angels and demons, and people obviously are, uh, you know, often will say, you know, I thought I saw a ghost, but it was probably just a demon. So we want to hear these kind of way out there stories. I mean, I'm, we all understand that we're all Christians here, but let's let's really get paranormal. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, I, I should preface all of this by saying my background is right in line with that. You know, I would have been told my whole life that yes, there certainly are supernatural forces, right? We we don't come from Christian churches and call ourselves naturalists. We are supernaturalists. But usually the explanation that I've always heard is that um these are angelic forces, either, you know, good or bad, it can be demonic and dark or things like that. And um so there's three possibilities. There's there's the naturalist who says there is no such thing as anything supernatural. It is all explained. And even if we document something creepy, um, it it has it has happened. It's been documented, so it is now natural. There are people who go that direction. I talked to a professor in Missouri who held that belief. And then there are people who say it's all angelic, right? They're supernatural, but it's all angelic. And then there are people who say there is supernatural, but it is um potentially humans in between realms or something like this so when i began my research i expected to kind of land back on the it's all angelic or demonic because that's what i had always known and that's what some pastors and stuff had described and i thought that was okay but since i've been on this journey i've talked to some other pastors and some other people who pretty much know their way around scripture who have at least presented some possibilities that I had not considered before, using Scripture in the same way. Um, so it's been fascinating, and I and I have to say that uh, I'm willing to give a hearing to people who present these different ideas behind their stories. So I'll just I'll just say that that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, right that. that resonates with me quite a bit um, because I, I'm not somebody who would say. I 100% believe in ghosts and the paranormal and everything. I'm not, I'm not quite in the, ready to say I'm completely in that third camp. Yeah. Um, 
but being a a, a Catholic uh, and a recent convert to Catholicism, I, I've developed a very healthy appreciation for negative theology within the Catholic tradition, which is essentially saying these are the boundaries of what our faith teaches, and anything within those boundaries is, ex- is an acceptable belief within the faith. So, for example, the the boundaries of life and death, you know, people throw out uh, verses like, you know, it's for man to die once and then face judgment. Well, it's like, okay, that that's a boundary, but with what does that mean? There's still a lot of ambiguity left there. Um, so I, I, I would place myself as somebody who looks at all that stuff and says, I'm not ready to necessarily plant my flag in the ground and say it's definitely all angels or definitely ghosts or whatever uh but i i would agree with a lot of uh you know those people you're talking to uh who are coming from a christian perspective coming from a healthy knowledge of the scriptures uh and say it's not quite as clear cut as sometimes we want to make it sound and i'll give you another one the most common verse you'll hear come up in this conversation usually the first one is there's no such thing as ghosts because to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord Right. That, that verse is going to come flying at you first. And that's exactly what I've always heard. And I was talking to a pastor in Erie, and, um, and he was explaining this to me. And he said, you know, that'll be the first verse that comes up. He's counseled many, many – he's a counselor as well as a pastor. And he said, you know, if you really read that verse, it doesn't say that. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, of course, that's what the Bible says, to be asked for the bodies to be present with the Lord. Like, the implication is that the second a believer dies – like twinkle, they're in heaven with God, right? Right. But if you actually read the verse, it Paul is saying, you know, we long to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Right. And and that was just one example of many where I thought, you know, there are assumptions that we kind of take for granted. Uh, and, and then if you proceed from the open-mindedness, it's interesting. So, yeah, we long to be with the Lord, but it doesn't say as soon as you die, the next second you'll be with the Lord. And um, who knows? I mean, the bottom line is, is, is what, what one person reminded me, you know, the Bible is not a book about ghost stories. It's a book about the ministry of Christ uh, ultimately. But at the same time, uh, there are some definite supernatural things in there and there are definitely warnings against uh, dabbling with such things. Um, So I think that there are possibilities that we can at least have conversations and that'll earn us probably the right to tell the larger story that we want to tell other people uh, if we give them that opening. So to that end, I've had conversations with plenty of people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fascinating stuff. Um, now, you've been around with, you said, ghost hunters and exorcists. Now, I assume somebody who's an exorcist is probably a, uh, a true believer in this stuff, so to speak. Uh, but do you find that most of the people who are out there in these ghost hunting teams are people who want to believe to... Uh, steal an x-files line are are they skeptics or, or where do people who are actively investigating this stuff tend to land on that spectrum you've talked about earlier that's the question man like when i when i was starting to sign up I, honestly i was hoping i was going to find a bunch of like really wild characters and i was just going to have you know just gold dripping off my pages by the time i recounted their words um to tell you the truth i've met really a, a series of rational people the reason that the paranormal investigators that I talk to do what they do, and I, I went out with a team in Pittsburgh, and then I spent a night in a prison in Ohio with about 70 people from around the country. The reason that most of them are there, there are your adventurists, but uh, the serious ones, they are trying to really disprove 
any abnormal phenomena. They spend most of their time, uh, hundreds of hours, listening to audio tape, watching videotape that they've recorded, f- going to every extent they can go to 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 point out why you know event X there is not truly paranormal activity. And um, at the same time, most of them have uh, experienced some things. The first night that I went out with the ghost hunter team, it was uh, a couple hours north. We were driving. I was in the back of the SUV. And um, we were going to this old historic tavern where there had been – there's always a murder and there's always violence. And there's, there's a lot of social injustice behind ghost stories, which is part of the real fun social science side of it for me as an educator. But I asked this guy who was the leader of the team – um, you know, if he thought that it was possibly demonic and, and he said, oh no, I stay away from that. And I said, what do you mean you don't like to encounter the ghosts? And he said, no, ghosts are okay, but I don't go near anything that's dark. And in his mind, he came from a, a Catholic background. He had a clear distinction that there was a very much a difference between something demonic and something that was an actual like ghost, you know? So that was my first lesson that there were people who were a, trying to discount every single thing that wasn't actually verifiable and B, that there's actually a distinction made. Um, and, and, you know, that I found plenty of Christians since that time who would, who would say that they feel the same way, that there are dark forces. And there's also some strange uh, events that we can't explain. And, you know, people have posited theories about maybe there are echoes of, of a presence throughout time. I had a Christian professor who, uh, he got nervous at the last minute and didn't want to go on record with me because he was afraid his university would he would he would get in trouble. But he was telling me some theories that uh, I thought were really fascinating. So uh, that's my experience with with them. Um, the Exorcist. He again, I thought I was going to find a real weird, fun, interesting character. He was he was very interesting, very rational, and um, he was a Protestant exorcist. You know, I wasn't really familiar with too many Protestant exorcists. And uh, that, that often comes from the Catholic Church, you know. And, uh, and he told me, he said, well, we're all exorcists. Jesus was an exorcist. And as he started to explain it, I thought, wow, I guess kind of according to the New Testament, we are all exorcists. So, you know, he kind of brought it down to a way more real level than I expected. Hey, I, w- I want to back up a little bit. You said this professor wouldn't go on the record. Tell us some of these crazy but fascinating theories. Well, um, in his... Uh, I don't. I don't know how much I can say and not get him in trouble. But well, don't, don't, you can leave his leave his name out of it. Uh, yeah. Just uh, just tell us what he. Was. Just give us his initials and the university <laughs> he works at, and we'll call it good. Yeah. I'm going to give you a decoder <laughs> ring for anybody who listens to this episode. Um, no, the, the the one idea basically was that it's possible that there are, um, and, and again, it gets way too scientific for me. Oh, by the way, don't call ghost hunters ghostbusters. That is like, <laughs> they do not do that. They are not ghostbusters. They are there to you know, investigate and, uh, and hopefully to try to, they go into people's homes for free, this one particular team, and, and they're trying to just calm people down and tell them, look, here's the real explanation. Here's why it's not a ghost. That was interesting to me. Um, but this professor, he said, you know, what if, what if it is possible that there is this echo that a person's residue can persist? And um, I couldn't tell you what a pastor slash physicist knows about science because I am the worst at science ever. <laughs> I teach history, right? Right. Um, right. But, Us uh, humanity guys get, get uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty – the weeds no, get pretty deep pretty quick, right? 
Yeah, I got a D in science or math, and I came in from school with a D on my report card. It was like celebration yeah. for my mom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know too much of his theory, and like I said, he kind of uh, clammed up there. But it, it was, it was interesting because his whole family came from a very conservative Christian background, and they had never believed that anything was possible until something happened in their family, and and when this undeniable phenomenon happened. And then it was attested by someone else and confirmed before the two had any chance to like collaborate. Um, it really kind of rattled them. And, and you know, as I tell people what I'm doing, I find there's a lot of people who come from a pretty conservative Christian background. And they're like, I have a story too or this happened in my family. And a lot of people are just like, well, it was a weird anomaly so we're not going to talk about it. But coming from that perspective, he basically said that it is possible – that there are somehow these, you know, loops in time. That there are echoes of past events, and and who knows what other, um, you know, parascience would be involved there. But again, even the skeptics, the naturalists, who I spend some time with as well, um, they will say, sure, it could happen. And if it happens, then it happened in the natural world, so it now becomes a natural phenomenon. <laughs> All right, so dive into some stories of things that you've actually personally experienced. All right, so my ghost story, I'm no Dean Coons, right? But I worked in a cemetery for four years. Okay. And, uh, you know, when all my friends were going off to flip burgers and <laughs> work cash registers, uh, I, of course, am weed whacking 16,000 tombstones and training to move up and become someone who buries people all summer. Oh, but I, I do want to hear your stories, but before you go forward, so was <laughs> your interest in these ghost stories before working at the graveyard or was working – at the graveyard, something that just sparked these different uh, things in your mind and and uh, you're kind of drawn towards that type of uh, investigation? No, I mean, I, I I just worked in a cemetery because my family knew somebody who could get me a job. I, I didn't go there for any macabre reasons. I didn't, you know, watch Tales from the Crypt every Saturday. I was just a regular guy who played video games and um, – and then just like a couple of weird things happened that, quite frankly, I always chalked up to. I was just seeing things or I was just tired or the machines were really loud. Um, you know, it was nothing that scared me. It was nothing I – my mind lingered on for for days in any kind of frightening way. Although I told a few people like about some weird stuff. And the one story in particular was uh, I was out weed whacking one day and I, I, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And uh, as I turned, I kind of caught this flash. And I don't know if I just assumed my mind maybe filled in the blanks. But I saw a woman in a kind of a specific 19th century dress, like a long white dress with uh, some blue coming across the top. And, um, I, you know, then you kind of take a look and you blink and there's nothing there. And uh, I always joked about the lady in blue to my to my friend. And I told my mom about it at the time. And uh I don't know, a couple times, like I said, you, th you think you're just working and you're in the sun or you're just kind of tired and you see things. So part of the responsibility of a cemetery worker is that every once in a while you have to exhume a body for various reasons. Uh, there's an investigation or more commonly a family wants to move the remains of a, of a long lost member for, for some reason. And uh, I had to be involved in a couple of these exhumations in my time as like an 18, 19, 20-year-old cemetery worker. This is years ago. And uh, so one day they send us into a section called the Swamp. It was called the Swamp. We, we named all of our sections. It was called the Swamp because it collected so much rainwater. And it was really um, 
it had been used primarily in the 1920s and 30s was when that section was filled. And we were told to go collect the remains to even see if there were any remains uh, because I guess someone had died and they wanted to move the remains closer to uh, the the family member who had just passed away. And, uh, of course, like any good spooky story, it started pouring down rain this day. You know, you don't just reschedule these things because you have to have officials there. You have to have a funeral director. You have to have the backhoe and operator and all this stuff out. So uh, layer by layer, the backhoe is pulling off the first few layers. And then it got close enough to where we would have to hop in and kind of like scrape off a layer by hand. Uh, because before the 1950s, I believe, uh, burial vaults weren't required. You you literally just chucked wooden coffins or whatever, pine coffins, into the ground. Um, these days, everybody's coffin goes into a larger cement vault, really, in the last 70 years. So, you know, here we are wondering what in the world we're going to find. And, you know, my my 20-year-old imagination has thoughts of skulls appearing through the wet mud and soil. And I'm starting to get ready for, like, you know, a really good story. Uh, but we didn't find much until we got down and began to uncover a few pieces of wood. And um, we shut off the backhoe and began to dig more carefully with our tools and uh, uncovered a few pieces of wood. And then that's when I saw a piece of fabric and I kind of pulled it aside. And it looked to me like a long strip of cloth from a dress that was uh, kind of white and blue. And that's as good as I can do as far as personal ghost stories that happened. Um, but again, I did not ever walk away from there, you know, feeling like Mulder or Scully. Wow, that that's pretty good. That is a great story. That's a really though. great story. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, you said you had a couple other. What was there any other like more minor? Like that's probably your masterpiece. But what's the? Oh, that's my go-to. Yeah, what's was, the? What's was, some smaller yeah, ones? I, I actually opened the book with with this one anecdote. But when I was a kid, I built a fort one night. I used to turn my bunk bed. I sh- I didn't have a sibling. I had the bunk bed to myself. Do you guys ever build forts out of your bed? Oh yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, you, know, you got to. And I, I took it all the way to the ceiling. This was like the Scrooge McDuck big <laughs> fort, you know. Uh, except I ran out of materials, and I didn't have a space to cover the little nook where my kind of like where my head was on the top bunk. And in the middle of the night that night, I woke up. I was probably I don't know nine years old. I was trying to remember. Uh, I woke up and I heard things. I heard voices in my mind. I became convinced that there were people in my room, at least two, because I heard it sounded like whispers and. I, I became so terrified, uh, you know, just convinced that I was about to be attacked by something at any moment. I ended up – in the only time in my entire life this happened, I ended up screaming out in the middle of the night for my uh, mom to come and run into my room. And of course, when it's like 3 in the morning and you scream like this, you're thinking that the second you scream, that's when they're going to grab you. And uh, I scream and, you know, meanwhile – my mom in adult world is like she has to wake up and figure out what's going on and stumble over to me. So it was a good um, heart pounding, you know, couple of minutes, especially the 20 or 30 seconds until she appeared in my room and showed me there was nothing in my room. But that was just kind of one of those things where as a kid, you know, you freak yourself out. And again, you can you can read into these things however you want. A lot of people are looking for a ghost behind every bush. A lot of people will never give that thought uh a moment's glimmer glimmer so for me those are just the two things that i kind of wonder about and um i don't know i don't know where you guys come down on that yeah well i think i i think we've talked about this in the show before a little bit but basically 
I mean, you can't deny the things you talked about when it comes to Samuel and Saul and Endor. But um, I, I, I would guess just from my upbringing, I tend to go more towards must be demons. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah. but I, I know what you mean. There are there is and, and well, same thing with uh, what you mentioned with the disciples when they saw Jesus. They jumped to the conclusion that it was a ghost, which means there was a presupposition that ghosts existed. Right. Um, and so there's something to and it. Jesus doesn't say, guys, there's no such thing as ghosts. Exactly. He says, no, it's me. Right. In fact, after the resurrection, you know, he goes out of his way to they touch him and he, he, they feed him. So it's like, I'm going to show you that I'm not like those ghost guys. I mean, he doesn't say that, of course. But they, you're right. It's not just, listen, let it's either demons or people. You know, there's nothing yeah. in between. Uh, no, he, he, like, takes the time to prove I'm not a ghost. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, he actually says, like, you guys are freaked out. It's really me. And just to calm you down, give me some fish. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, when actually, you asked me where the idea came from. And as I was developing the idea, I had never caught that little fact in, in Luke. And I was like, wait a second, he ate fish? Like, he went that far to prove his non-ghostliness? Yeah. Um, that was just kind of crazy. Yeah. So, okay. So th- those are some pretty good ones from your own personal experience. But you've been mm. on the road. You've been meeting with uh, people who have had these crazy experiences. So I don't know how much you want to spoil f- before you actually release your book. So feel <laughs> free to pick and choose whichever ones you think were, would be good for the show but wouldn't necessarily spoil something you're saving for your book. Yeah. I mean, a couple come to mind. Um, yeah, a couple of really creepy ones come to mind. So one of the things I did was, um, you know, if you ever watch these ghost hunter shows, and honestly, I haven't watched too many of them. I've watched enough to kind of get the idea, but I figure like I'd rather go out and find the places myself and talk to people myself. So one of the, a lot of them are former asylums. Mental hospitals became state mental hospitals. Many of them closed down in the 1990s. The system became unsustainable. But that system was born out of the 19th century reform effort to try to provide care for people with a variety of issues. And, uh, you know, they, these things were built like large, old, creepy American horror stories uh, facilities. So I went to Ohio, to Athens, Ohio, to uh, spend a day with a guy who was a local, third generation. His grandfather had worked at the asylum. And um, he gave us a tour of the entire grounds and really took us around that day. And that night, um, he had a he had a a carriage service with these two beautiful um, horses and he would like take people out to Moonville. There's actually a ghost town out there that dried up years ago. And so he invited us to join them at night. And uh, as it turned out, there were about, I don't know, 15 people <coughs> that went along this ride and I got to talk to them one by one. It was just uh, it was a college professor. It was a local and, and there was a woman who uh, worked in hospice. She had driven all the way from somewhere else to, just to check out this ghost town. And, uh, and then there was a woman who worked at the asylum. After the university, Ohio University purchased it, it was converted into um, uh, facilities for the school and uh, administration buildings for a couple of uh, businesses that leased the space. So on that one night, I learned some interesting stories from a couple of the people and uh, the girl who worked in an administrative office there, she said that uh, she would work late nights. She was running a lot of numbers for a charity or something. And she said that the walls in her office were padded and that 
Um, the door is still locked from the outside. And uh, this is like their office space. I'm trying to get my mind around this. you know. And she would be there till like 1 in the morning. And uh, the famous story of the Athens Asylum is about a woman from 1978 who disappeared one day on the grounds. And uh, sometimes the the residents of the hospital, they would um, they would have jobs. You know, a lot of them until the 1960s and 70s, they all worked. It was like a self-sustaining farm, these asylums, these hospitals. And uh, this one woman, Margaret Schillings, disappeared. And they sent out a search party and they were never able to find her. And it's a really sad story because this happened over December of 1978. And um, they think that she probably, because she had helped out with some different uh, groups there, she probably knew the protocol for searching for missing people. And eventually, they, after two weeks of, of periodic searches, they were unable to find her. Uh, until about a month later when a maintenance worker looking into one of the uh, parts of the building that wasn't really used uh, too often found her body. And what she had done in the dead of winter was to um, carefully remove her clothes and fold them off to the side uh, where she laid down and then she died. She was not found for so long that after they removed the body, it's kind of grim, but uh, there was residue left behind. Some chemicals from her body had actually left a stain. And uh, this is a true thing. It's documented. It's still there. It's, it's called the stain. Of course, all the college students for generations have you know, tried to break into the building to go see the stain and all this. Um, they tried to remove this stain with chemicals. Workers have done it for, for years that it would never go away. And it's this real haunting site. So the woman who I was on this uh, – evening with she's there working at this facility and uh she said you know i really wanted to see the stain i wanted to see the rest of the building so they convinced a maintenance worker to take her and a few of the co-workers around the premises this is how every terrible horror movie exactly. starts exactly every every week i went out i kept being like at the beginning of every horror movie yeah. i don't even know how i survived last summer so this guy took her around and they went and they saw the stain and she said it's she said this guy that was giving us the 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 quick sneak tour he actually was one of the people who tried to remove it. You know, they've had like scientists and chemists have analyzed this trying to understand uh you know all of the the strange <laughs> science behind what happened after this poor woman's death. Um and then they went down into the basement and, and she said it was really creepy. You know, these, these facilities, they definitely did some things that we would consider barbaric. Uh, the lobotomies were looked at as humane, but uh, there was electroshock. There was hydroshock. There were um, – the tubs were still there, she said. The manacles were still on the wall. And, oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> this is crazy, Clay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm telling you, we don't have time to go down around that group um, – but then another woman jumped in. She was a local as well, and she started talking, telling a story um, about a woman that she she dreamed about. And, uh, and it was the same woman. I'm sorry. So, so she she kept having a dream that this black woman was coming to her uh, when she was at, at work. And um, like I said, she she had been in the in the town for a long time. Her mother had worked at the hospital before it had closed down, and she was telling her mother about this dream. And she said, tell me more about the lady that appeared to you in your dream. 
And she started describing this woman to her mother. And she said, that was so-and-so. She was a patient for like 40 years. Everybody knew her. And her mom was convinced that her daughter had dreamed about this patient. And that that was kind of on the more like eerie side. Yeah. Um, But then at the end, there was this one woman, the one who was from out of town. Uh, she was there with her friend. This was her birthday present. For her birthday, she wanted her friend to drive her two hours to go into the middle of the woods for a ghost a tour to a ghost town. Um, she worked in hospice, and I, I was asking her questions because that's what I'm doing here. I'm basically a journalist trying to find out what people believe about all of this. And she said, have you ever seen the movie Ghost? Because she's a hospice worker. She's been with many people as they've gone through their final days and passed away, right? You know how, you know how predictable the stage has become. And I said, yeah, of course, I've seen ghosts. And she said, you know those dark things that came when the bad people died? And I said, yeah. Like, you don't ever forget that when you see the movie Ghost. And um, she said, she said we had a couple of neat stories of people who died on the, in the room and then came back to life and told us they saw Jesus or they saw God or this. She said, but there was this one guy who I was taking care of, and he wasn't a good guy. And when he was very sick, his liver was shot. He was only in his late 30s. His mother was there. And she said that when it came time for him to die one night, that he had been so mean and abrasive. And and she said uh, right before he died, he just kind of like lunged up and just started screaming in terror. And she said it was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. He was absolutely horrified, and then he died. And his mother looked at me and said, shaking, what was that? And she just said to the mother, she didn't want to tell her what she really thought was happening. You know, she thought she was seeing something like, uh, you know, something out of that movie Ghost or something dark. And, and she just said, I don't know. But when you hear stories from people who have actually – seen these crazy things some of them are beautiful and they talk about loved ones coming to take them home and some of them are terrifying the reality is that there's just too many people with too many stories to simply ignore it you know that's just interesting a lot of people do mention that uh there's loved ones waiting for them when they uh get to this afterlife but then they come back mm-hmm. and they can tell a story so uh tell us your thoughts on that is that something like biblically speaking that we can uh find some grounds for or, or just any stories you've heard of along those lines that are more interesting yeah you know angels are messengers like that's that's what angels do and and they're ministers and um i i think there is not only biblical proof i think there is just so much um just multiple attestation from so many people that have experienced these positive things and if god wants to you know comfort somebody or minister to somebody, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. If he wants to show a 70-year-old woman, her husband who passed away five years ago, you know, standing at the foot of her bed and telling her it's not her time or telling her that she's going to be okay, uh, those aren't exactly, you know, X-Files-like, although it's pretty crazy when you really think about it. But if it's real to them, why, why wouldn't, you know, God use that? And on the same token, you know, you got that idea that by your fruits, by their fruits, you shall know them. And if there is something happening that seems to be undeniably real, at least to the person experiencing it, and God wants to use something supernatural, um, if, it's, if it's comforting somebody, I think if it's, if it's ministering, some people, 
I've heard stories of people who have, who have given up on God. They've given up on their faith until they saw something inexplicable and it brought them back to their faith in God. I mean, what is that? You know, that's not demonic. That's not dark. That is, um, that, that's a beautiful redemptive story. And, and who's to say, just like we believe that somebody behind a, a, you know, a government veil where their country, they're never allowed to, to read a Bible or to hear about Jesus, yet they still have these dreams and somehow God reveals himself to them. I've heard countless stories of that from missionaries and from people from abroad. Who's to say that God can't send, um, send visitors from another place to do the same work? He's God. He can do whatever he wants. You know, I've never oh, go ahead. I've never told this story on the show before, but uh, oh man, here, yeah. here we go. <laughs> but my my grandfather uh, had he died back in 2006, and he died on a Sunday. Uh, but on the Thursday before he died, he told my uncle that he saw his mom, who had been dead for 20 years, uh, yeah. in his hospital room. Um, yeah. And you know, to, to me, my grandpa is not the kind of person that w- that often said those kind of things. Uh, he wasn't in any way losing his mind before he he passed away i mm-hmm. i still feel skeptical but when when i hear you talk about it, it makes me think back to that story and there's so many stories like that throughout the the christian tradition you know and again coming from a catholic perspective you read the lives of saints and you, you see all sorts of visions whether it's uh the virgin mary or you know another saint or, or something like that and and again you know some are all those pro- historically accurate, probably not, but there there's just so many. And I know one um, that really resonated with me, and I, I wish I could remember the person's name, but it was a fairly recent uh, deal where there's a guy who was a major, major abortionist uh, in, in, in another country, and he started to have visions of St. Thomas Aquinas surrounded by children. And eventually, over the course of these visions, realized or he came to know that these were the children he had aborted. And oh, wow. as a result of that experience, um, became an ardent pro-life uh, activist. And, mm. and I, I should track down the person's name because I don't remember it. But it's uh, it was a very powerful story as when I when I was able to hear his testimony about this. And there you go. You know, it's a vision of. Thomas Aquinas and uh, or and so I, I think that you look at something like that and like you said you'll know them by their fruit uh, and it's difficult to say well you know those demons they just wanted this guy out of the abortion business you know or, right, or whatever right. yeah so you know you can talk to people from wh- whatever they're coming from so if somebody does want to come and say it's all angelic it's all demonic those are good conversations to have you know the kind of things we've just been saying and if somebody wants to come and say none of this stuff is real you're not going to convince somebody. I mean, I've never had one of these crazy experiences, but you know, I've had a couple of weird things, strange phenomenon and things like that. But Christianity is a religion based on the fact that a dead human got up and walked out of the grave. Uh, you know, if we can start from there, um, I'm willing to believe <laughs> that right. uh, if we exist in some form eternally, um, because you know, the Bible. It says that we will be resurrected. We will, we will be perfected. That doesn't happen until later on. So what is happening now? What happens in between physical existence and that eternal, resurrected, perfected body? Um, we just don't know, and the Bible is not as definitive as probably you know, a lot of us are led to believe growing up, just because it's, it's a lot easier just to say, yeah, you live, you die, you go to heaven. But really, that's not what Scripture says, and who knows? God can do anything he wants. I, I don't think that there are 
um, you know, unbounded souls all around us, like, you know, filling up our living rooms and things like that. But I will say, as I have spent so much time with so many people and admittedly in some pretty creepy places this past year, I'm definitely willing to have the conversation. And the coolest thing of all is that I'm finding that it's a, it's a conversation of value because it's not only um, that we're haunted by spirits externally. It's really that all of us are haunted in spirit, internally. And, and what I really want to get to is that idea that we don't have to be haunted. We don't have to stay you know, with that feeling that we can't escape our past because really everything comes down to regret or rejection. I think those are the two real powerful negative human emotions. And so for me, ghost stories become like time travel stories. The reason we love them so much is because it, it says that you can step outside of time, that you can connect with people you thought you had lost your opportunity to connect with. You can go back and rewrite wrongs. Um, you know, why are slaves and Native Americans and um, children, why are minorities always at the heart of these stories? It's always people who suffered as if culturally we're trying to tell this story. Uh, a professor from um, uh, University of Missouri um, was 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 telling me things like this and had me read a couple books and I, I think that in general it's like Ghost you know with Sam and Molly Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore that even death cannot stop your chance to get it right later on and if that's why we're compelled by these ghost stories that we want to be able to either resolve the past or go into the future with more comfort then. That allows us to step in as, as believers and say, isn't it cool that we can know that our past is covered and that our future is secured? Yeah. So there's a great spiritual connection in no matter who you're talking to. That's awesome. And I just uh, just wanted to give the name of that guy. I, I went and looked it up. Stojan Adasevic. Stojan, S-T-O-J-A-N, Adasevic. Uh, so if people want to look him up and uh, – Find out more about his his story. That's what we talked about. Clay, we also, while you were talking, Ben Googled for me on his iPad the stain, and that is crazy. (laughs) The pictures of that. Oh, it's it's not like a little thing. It looks like a person. Yeah. It's it's the real deal. And so you saw this yourself, right? No, I I wasn't able to get into the building. Oh, okay. Um, Oh man, no. That would be crazy. You've Yeah. So, So as you've been traveling, um what what do you feel like are the the hot spots for hauntings in America? <laughs> uh, that's kind of you know I, I did a couple of those searches like when I was trying to figure out what plane tickets I needed to buy or what destinations I needed to go to. Um, yeah, I think when you look up most haunted cities in America, you're always going to see New Orleans and Savannah, Georgia, up there near the top. Yeah, why um, is that? And, and again, where did where did slavery happen? Where was the Civil War? You know, ripping the country apart. You can always find the cultural tale behind the ghost story. So do you think that's what it is? Do you think that a lot of what we hear – so are you saying, just to make sure it's clear for everybody, are you saying that there is actually a legitimate connection between because there was this pain oh, no, there? No, no, I'm sorry. I'm stepping outside and I'm saying culturally there is a way we tell tales that okay. that, that tends to bring up um, you know, those injustices of the past. It's, it's, it's in a sense probably a more compelling story. But uh, personally, no, I don't. I don't think the person who sees their grandma in their in their bedroom is because their grandma was in the Civil War. But no, but um, do you think that uh, the more painful places uh, they tend to have more ghosts, or do you think that the more painful places yeah. tend to tell more stories about ghosts? 
yeah, the more painful places tend to tell more stories about ghosts, right? Because the, the, the pretty standard definitions of why does someone become a ghost, you know what the Hollywood definitions are. Uh, they died a violent death. Their death was unresolved. And, you know, these types of things tend to go back to um, high-profile scenarios, murders and um, unsolved crimes and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, there, there is that tendency for those those areas and those places to breed um, these stories and urban legends as well. You know, I want to come back to – before we let you go, we definitely want to hear at least one more story from you. But as you're going through well, and we, doing – We have more questions here. Yeah. I, I, well, no, I'm it. saying – yeah, I'm going <laughs> – I, that's what I'm going. That was my segue, Ben. No, okay, you okay, messed segue, up my segue. segue. Let me start over. You know, I want to get back to your <laughs> your stories, Clay. But uh, as you're going through your different research and uh, you're hearing these different stories, how do you sort out what's legitimate and what's not? You know, I don't know if it's my job to do that. I definitely, when I'm listening to some people talk, uh, I mean, I, I have a, I, I've been a journalist. You know, I have that background. I, I'm trying to tell a story and let the reader make some of their own conclusions. And and if I if I hear somebody tell a story and I think this person is just absolutely nuts, then it's not my job to come in and say this person is absolutely nuts. It's my person. It's my job just to describe what the person said and let the reader make their own conclusion. Um, but like I said, I, I, I will kind of um, pull it all together in the end. I, I will make some of my own observations. Um, but yeah, I, I just as a writer. I want to do a better job in future writing of of just trying to convey what people said and, and, and letting that speak for itself, whatever that means, you know? So I want to go off script here just a little bit from, sure. from what we discussed, because I want to ask you a little bit about, uh, you mentioned you talked to this exorcist. And mm. I think, you know, as we've kind of, been, one of the common themes that's been a part of our conversation so far is uh, that as Christians, we're more willing to believe in the angel demon stuff that that comes easier to a lot of Christians. But I'm sure you found this, but uh, as I've read stories of exorcists and, and this stuff, you get some pretty wild stuff there too. Uh, I read uh, father Gabriel Amaris, who is a book, uh, a real exorcist tells his story and he's the chief exorcist at the Vatican. And I mean, the stuff he said, in that book really blew my mind, even as somebody would say, yeah, I believe in angels and demons and all that stuff. For example, he claims that he has a jar on his desk that's just filled of items that came out of people's bodies during exorcisms. <laughs> you know, whether it's nails or just crazy stuff that would have, you know, there's no way it could have been there. And through the exorcism process, these physical items just appeared so did you uh, come into contact with any wild stuff like that um while re researching the exorcism side of all this well what we did was jr foresteros from the story men and i we drove out to missouri to st louis university which is actually where the the true exorcism happened that led to uh, blatty's book the exorcist which became the movie and that movie is really important in American culture, by the way, because it completely redefined everything from the horror genre. Um, you know, everything was monster movies and radiation up until that point. And it, and, it and really, Blatty, I think it's worth sorry, it's worth go ahead, go ahead. it's worth noting that Blatty himself is a very devout Catholic, and is, he wasn't just trying he to write is. a shocker book. He really believes that. I'm not sure if you've caught on to this, Clay, but I'm a Protestant, and Ben is a Catholic. Well, I said it was a Catholic. <laughs> so, so everything kind of comes back to that. But go go ahead, yeah. go ahead, Clay. Yeah, and um, so I was able to go there, and the chief archivist at St. Louis University, they've collected 
since this happened in 1949, um, obviously it's been a huge issue of interest for them for a long time. And um, so he was able to speak to me not only as somebody who had the archives of 40 years of press clippings, but he was a student there. He was a student there when the movie came out. And really nobody talked about that story until he was a senior and the movie came out. And then everybody talked about that story as if it was the biggest story in the school's history, the true story from 1949. And as I, as I spoke to him, he's a Catholic uh, as well. He, he talked about how he was showing me some articles about how I think in 2008 or 2009, the Catholic Church even um, you know called a conference to try to reorganize the way they had uh, the diocese covered with exorcists. And just because – there, there is so much Hollywood confusion over the issue. I don't, I have not encountered somebody who truly has been involved in what they feel is an exorcism that that describes anything like Hollywood. They have seen some some strength that doesn't make sense. You know, they've definitely heard a couple of strange things, but I haven't, for the most part, heard those crazy stories. And even the people that were there with that young man in 1949. <clears throat> Um, there's been a lot, you know, written about them and by them. And, uh, it's, it's not even clear really that, um, the one priest who's still alive was even certain himself, uh, because it's just, there's a darkness, there's troubled people. And that's why the one guy who's, who calls himself an exorcist, uh, he's trained, he's ordained, and he's also a counselor. And he feels like there's a lot of people who they can believe they have something dark and demonic but really what they need is is some therapy. Um, and a lot of times it, it should end there. You know, people can be convinced that they have these problems. Um, but I haven't really um, talked to the people who had the crazy jars and, and, and have seen the projectile vomiting and all that stuff. It's it's usually very dark and it's it takes a lot of time. And um, as it was described to me, he said, you know, what we really have to do is is get at the issue. There's usually – he said there's usually sin somehow in that person's life and you know from here now you start to go into even the different protestant traditions of how people view this the reality of allowing darkness in and <clears throat> familiar spirits and unclean spirits and whether or not something can attach itself to you can christians be only oppressed you know what's the difference between possession and oppression and some of that stuff i'm sure you guys have heard but um for me my research that's just one possibility that's that's one explanation that you'll hear. So I spent a chapter or two talking about the demonic, including Jesus' encounters with demon-possessed people. Okay, Th- this is great stuff. I wanted to take a – let's take a story break. So we have more questions, but uh, tell us another story. <laughs> so I went down to Tampa Bay, Tampa, Florida to um, – <laughs> I was I- – I guess um, – a lot of people can do this. I didn't know it, but I was able to go into the Church of Scientology. Now, <laughs> one of the things that I'm doing is not just trying to understand what Protestant Christians or Catholics think about stuff. I want to hear from a variety of people, atheists, oh, naturalists, yeah. ghost hunters. You know, one of the guys on the Ghost Hunter show is a Mormon. I'm curious about all these different perspectives. So my sister, my best friend, and I went to the Church of Scientology in Tampa for basically like a scheduled tour. Which, uh, Clearwater, Florida, I don't know if you know this, is like the international headquarters of Scientology. And um, I wanted to find out what, uh, I don't know what you would call that. It's not, 
it's kind of an outlying religion. I, you know, I talked to conservatives. I wanted to talk to some mainline Protestants, and then I wanted to talk to some people that we would say are kind of out there. Um, I didn't even mention the witches, but you know, that's something <laughs> else. So I go into the Church of Scientology, and it was like walking into your home church on Sunday, like the happiest, most welcoming place. It was completely different than what I expected. And we spent a, an afternoon there. And the uh, young lady who was showing us around, and she knew why we were there. I wasn't like posing as a potential Scientology club member. Um, I asked her straight up. I was like, okay, you guys believe in like this birth-death cycle. Like everybody's been alive for tens of thousands of years. And if we can you know, get processed properly, we can understand our past. And then we start to see it all clearly. I was like, so what do you do with ghosts? And she said, she got like really freaked out and she said, okay, I just saw that movie, The Conjuring, like last week. It was perfect timing for me. So she saw The Conjuring and she was really freaked out. I guess she lived with her boyfriend or something like this. I got the idea. So she said, a couple of things started to happen in my house. And she said, there was a guitar that sits in the corner. She said, it started strumming. She's like, this guitar has never done this, and it started strumming. So I started to wonder. She said, but then a couple of nights later, there was this mirror. It has been on the wall for as long as I can remember. She said, in the middle of the night, in a dead sleep, I woke up to the sound of this mirror falling off the wall and crashing. It just shattered. And she said, I was so terrified. I was convinced that there was something in my house. I was like, oh, my goodness. What what did you do? How do you handle that? Especially – uh, you know what? What is the Scientology field guide for hauntings? And she said, "Well, you know, this is a troubled uh, spirit uh, that needs to re-enter the the cycle of birth death." So I had my friend come over, <laughs> and we we started talking to it. Um, oh, by the way, all of these individuals—they all are talking. There's a, there's a lot of talking into the air and talking to people and asking if anybody's there. It's very interesting. But she said, we went and opened the front door and we said, you, you can't stay here. Whoever you are, you have to leave. And here's what you need to do. So she started, she started giving instructions to whoever was breaking her mirror and playing her guitar. Did the instructions include getting a copy of Battlefield Earth and leaving? <laughs> yeah, Korea? I don't know. It was, that was a whole other thing. We asked about, we asked about um, Tom Cruise and all kind of stuff. They were, they were really pleasant and they actually um, – had some funny things to say about Tom Cruise. But she said uh, – she's like, so we opened the door and we said, here's what you need to do. You need to go to the hospital. And, and you know, me thinking I'm clever, I was like, oh, so it could go to the morgue. She was like, no. So it could go to the maternity ward because we told it you need to go find a new body. And there's all kinds of babies and that that'll be your new um, form, you know, so your spiritual being can meet the physical. I was like, well, that's a little bit of a different take on ghost stories. So oh, that one whoa, kind of the, don't, don't give oh. birth in a hospital near a Scientology church. <laughs> Holy crap. Both ben and, Tamp, I promise that's not normal. Ben and I's jaws both just dropped like, oh my God, well, this is a whole different topic. I mean, especially I, my wife is expecting right now. So it's like, ah, I don't want to think about some dead Scientologist coming into our baby. Well, the, oh, yeah. the, the ghost wasn't necessarily Scientology. Well, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Very, very good point. Very Could good point. Could have been a Catholic. Yeah, one. I want a Catholic one. 
<laughs> wow, that's crazy. The, was there the so once you hear this kind of story, where do you go from there when you're? Well, I'll tell you, God had my back that day because you know I go out prayerfully. I don't walk into these places, and and, and admittedly, there's people who think I should not be going near ghost hunters. I should not. You know that I'm violating some kind of commands, and I have not done any of this flippantly. I don't go to the Church of Scientology flippantly. Um, you know, I really am trying to honestly, uh, you know, find some truth and help people. Hopefully, this book will help people find an understanding because there are a lot of people who are struggling with these questions. Um, but as it turned out, we crossed. There were all kind of other things that happened. It'll come out in the book, but. The short version is my sister saw a community college or a college sign outside their window down there in um, Ybor City. This was in Tampa. And my sister, who always wants me to move to Florida, said, oh, Clay, there's another college. You should come teach at that college. And the girl, the Scientology member who had been uh, really kind to us that day, she said, oh, that's not a college. She said, that's actually a hotel. And she said, you know, you talk about haunted. That place is super haunted. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, it was built in the 19th century. She said, that place is so haunted that the Discovery Channel or somebody was here filming an entire special. I was like, what? She's like, I, don't, I won't go near that place. I don't even leave the building on this side. Because she's like really a believer in the, in the dark forces, the dark haunting forces. So my sister and my friend looked at me and I was like, can we go? <laughs> they were like, Yeah. So we left the Scientology church and we walked across the street to the Vicente, uh, Don Vicente Inn, where I happened to stumble right into the general manager. Um, and he gave us the tour and he told us the whole story and he told us why the, I think it was the Travel Channel actually. Um, he told us, he told us the whole story. He took us downstairs. He showed us where things happened to his dad and his sister. And he was a skeptic and he's like, nothing ever happened to me. He's like, I was so boring that the TV crews didn't even like want to put my parts in because I didn't have any of the cool stories. But um, then he started talking about how when they were preparing this place um, that this uh, something like really shadowy – Every all of the ghost people talk about shadow figures. And he said his sister was like blown over and knocked down by one and he came out and she was on the floor and her purse was on the ground and stuff had spilled out. And their dad, who was real stoic, who never told a ghost story in his life, when the crews got there, he was finally willing to tell some story that he had experienced. And their jaws dropped, thinking, like, what? This is real. And so I'm just interviewing these people, thinking, this is a just a crazy place. You can go anywhere and hear these stories. But the uh, the Don Vicente Inn in Ybor City was, was an interesting place. Clay, I'm dying to read your book. Yeah. <laughs> when, it, when it comes out, if you can get us an advanced copy, we'll have you back on the show. Oh, I, we'll, I we'll, 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 we'll have you back. on anyways. We, yeah, absolutely. we have to have you back on the show either way. But it, try, try to get us an advanced happen. copy. We'll review it, and then you can be on here more interview time. This is <laughs> this is so good. This is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we do we do Sci-Fi Christian Awards at the end of the year, and we have an award for Guest Host of the Year, and and <laughs> we have a lot of great guests, but you're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, this is great. So, oh, thanks. As you've been hearing all these different stories, and um, I don't know, do you find yourself more or less uh, – do you find yourself more or less of a skeptic after you're uh, starting through all this? <clears throat> I, I'd have to say that I – I guess I would find myself less of a skeptic. Um, I definitely have not uh, – obviously, I mean I'm going into all these places. I'm talking to all these people. Um, 
uh, we didn't even talk about my night in the haunted prison, but uh, when <laughs> got to save something for the next episode we have you on. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you just don't get around that much without hearing at least something compelling. And when it comes from people who you spend time with and you you find them to be rational, and then when you spend time with people who really know scripture and are not looking to be sensational, um and they present possibilities in a way that are just it's open-ended, you know. We just don't have definitive answers. So um, why can't God do whatever he wants? Why can't he allow, uh, you know, loved ones who he obviously, if, we, if what we believe is true, God's got them. God created us in every form, body and soul. Um, and if we believe in a darkness, you know, uh, I think we've clearly seen in Scripture, Jesus himself encountered dark forces. And, um, and, and why... Why would these things not be possible now if they were possible then? Um, but I'm less of a skeptic, but I'm also more hopeful than ever because I don't ever like to talk about any of this stuff without saying the end message is one of hope. You know, we we live in a time where I think we are haunted. Uh, people are haunted. I'm a teacher. I never thought in my life that I would one of the most dangerous workplaces in America could be a school, could be a college. You know, there have been shootings. Um, there have been shootings in Pitt where I teach. There have been uh, – I had to usher a student into my office because someone texted him that he was on campus with a gun at another college I work at. And it's a crazy world, right? It's chaotic. And I think people feel like I'm going to snap if I don't find reason amidst this insanity. And we don't need to – I think people look to the supernatural as a distraction because reality is so dark very often. Um, but the good news is, uh, as I said – Whatever is in your past, it's overcome and it can be overcome. And we can we can deal with it. There's consequences always, but we can we can find healing from what haunts us. And as far as the future goes, we don't have to be terrified of the future. It would be nice to have a glimpse of heaven. I would love to have five minutes in heaven. But um, I do believe that there is an eternity and that God wants us there with him. And uh, this stuff is fun to look at. It's fascinating. But there is ultimately hope. That's very well said, Clay. Um, I know you got to go soon. I got one more question for you. Yeah. Uh, because you said the sort of, or at least some of your conversations about the Story Man podcast and all that started with conversations about horror movies so, and horror stories. So I got to ask you, because uh, I'm a horror fan, Matt isn't, but uh, okay. give, give me a few of your favorite horror movies or horror novels. Cool. Um if you just if you just talk about a straight up ghost story, I love love love. This isn't like the scariest book ever, but I love Odd Thomas by Dean Koontz. Yep, um, I cannot wait. The movie has been on hold. It's finally going to be released in American theaters this year. I'm so excited about that. Um, as far as uh, boy, as far as books, I've read just you know probably 15 Stephen King books. Um, some of them are, you know, really more paranormal than others. Uh, I like to read Stephen King movies. Man, putting me on the spot, like my, I think my brain's on overload oh. of all the possibilities. <laughs> yeah, we we can always save that one for the the sequel podcast too. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to like really think. I my DVD, I have a whole shelf of just horror movies, horror movies. Have, have you seen? Make fun of me because I don't say horror. Yeah, the one the one that I, I was thinking of as you were telling your story of the asylum in athens ohio have you ever seen session nine no i have not 
Okay, that if you want a good creepy <laughs> asylum horror movie, uh, that one will do it for you. Uh, yeah, Matt, you not being a fan of the yeah. uh, scary movies, you would probably not be okay with the way that I sit here alone and like watch the most terrifying thing until one in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, it's mostly I don't like being startled. I don't really like gore. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I can't even watch trailers these days. The trailers are horrifying. Yeah, no kidding. So I, I do like The Walking Dead. You know, I remember watching The Grudge, and I started it in daylight, and then by the time the movie ended, it was nighttime, and so I decided, like a test of manhood, I would force myself to walk through my entire pitch black house without turning a light on just to see if I could do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Were you able to do it? <laughs> Were you able to s- succeed in that goal? Oh, I did. Okay, I good. The, I got to the wall at the end of the hallway, and then like a little girl, I turned and like ran back. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey, or, <laughs> since Ben got one last question, I'm going to ask one last okay, question. Matt, so, Matt uh, last question. you know, when it comes to sci-fi subgenres, I really like time travel, which you mentioned, and then also parallel universes. So, as you've been hearing these different stories, has any anybody come from more of a scientific route and said maybe these people are kind of trapped between parallel universes? You know, I, I have heard more about the skips um, in, in, like, the dimension of time. I haven't heard so much. Are you talking about, like, aliens? No, not necessarily aliens, but, like, uh, maybe the people that we're seeing aren't ghosts, but they're maybe reflections from a different uh, dimension or, uh, yeah, maybe I, I guess time travel could kind of come in there, too, if they're, like, somehow we're seeing them out of time. Yeah, I mean, that th- there is some interesting... Um, stuff written about that. I have a book that's on my list. I got like five books on my desk. I'm I'm waiting to get to this one. And it has a whole chapter on that idea. But the one thing that the um the one pastor said to me who has really studied this and looked into this for many years is, is he even took it to other life in the universe. And he doesn't at all preclude the possibility. For my money growing up in the church, you don't talk about aliens, you know, you don't really believe in that stuff. No, they're demons. Right. <laughs> exactly right and and um there's a good book if anybody's interested it's a little bit it's it's probably one of the better academic reads as far as academics who know how to write interesting it's called paranormal america um by a couple of researchers from baylor christopher bader and uh and carson mankin and they cover they combine ghost encounters ufo sightings and bigfoot and some other things and they do it in an academic way, but they're also kind of into the uh, participatory side. They go out like I did a, and did a, checked a couple things. And they come from straight research. So they have a lot of data and it's presented in a really interesting way. And it was actually while reading their book that I decided I needed to talk to somebody from the uh, Unitarian Universalist Church. So I actually got in touch with Stephen King's daughter, Naomi. And her and I um, That's had awesome. some conversation. So she gave me some really interesting perspectives as well. Clay, this has been such a yeah, good Yeah, I, I like how you just drop it at the end. Yeah, and I, I <laughs> talked to Stephen King. I'm friends with the Kings, <laughs> no, you know. King. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Clay, we I, want I, you I, we want you back on the show sometime in the not too distant <laughs> future. It's great to be wanted. Do you do you mind just doing a similar thing? More stories for the sci fi Christian audience? Yeah, give me give me a, a little bit of a buffer here and uh, I'll come up with some more stuff. Yeah, All right. I, I just just ordered that book for my my Kindle. Can't wait to read wait, it. Which book is uh, Paranormal America? So that should be a fun cool. one to read. And of course, yours, uh, like Matt said, as soon as 
it comes out or even earlier if you can get us a review copy uh i can't wait to read yours as yeah, well definitely and we've talked about that stuff on the show so it'd be great to hear what you've what you've kind of uncovered and you already have a, a book out currently called undead revived resuscitated reborn and uh just to stay in line with our crossover for the podcast which uh, where can people find your podcast so we're at storymen.us. That's the easiest way to find us or facebook.com slash the storymen. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, man, this, this has been so much fun. I, yeah, I can't wait to hear that more. That was great. I really appreciate it. I had a good conversation. You guys are fun to talk to. Oh, thanks. All right. Uh, we, this was, like Matt said, total pleasure and uh, one of the most entertaining and informative episodes we've ever done, I think. So. All right. Well, that's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. And I am Ben DiBono. And on Skype we have... That's right. Well, that's all from here. So already did that part. Uh, Goodbye. Signing off. We're back, and I loved it. Enthralled all the way through. I, I, uh, you don't know that. I do know that. I absolutely remember. You, You said it's been a few years. I don't think you've listened since we put this out. Here's what I do remember. Listen to this. We're back, everybody. Ben, you found the book? Yeah, it's called Parano- uh, Paranormal America. Interesting. So I read Undead. You read that one? Uh, I guess. But I think he wrote it under a different name. Are you serious? Yeah. And what name does it say there? It says Christopher Bader, F. Carson Menken, and Joseph Baker. <laughs> Do you think it's possible you just read a book by someone else? <laughs> no. Maybe. So you think one book Wait a he second. Re- I feel like this is all going to be laid out in the episode because in my review I say we we discuss similar topics with author Clay Morgan in this episode. So it's entirely possible this is a different book. I, I think it is a different book. Now, you said, how do you know you're enthralled? Well, I happened to just today in order to figure out which episode won for uh, best episode of the year in 2014. I went and listened to the end of episode 315, the Sci-Fi Christian 2014 end of the year listener appreciation jubilee and listen to this clip, Ben, of me and you from the past. Okay. Look, I just want to say this, Ben. Yeah. So when I look back on episodes, I sometimes picture, you know, us. Like if, when I think of past episodes, I can almost picture when you and me are talking and yeah. and what was happening around the time we were recording. When I picture this episode with Clay, it's almost as if he was in the room with us. Yeah. We were skyping with him, but I was so enthralled by his stories uh, that. Yeah, like I said, it was as if he was sitting here in this chair that we have empty most of the time. Yeah, if you uh, haven't heard this one, you have to go back and listen to it. So listen to that, listeners. Ben barely even likes having guests, and yeah, I barely even like people. And and you loved having this guest on. It was a it was a really good episode. You know the way you describe that as it was like he was in the room with us. Oh. That sounded kind of paranormal. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. So whatever the word is. Um. As we're wrapping up this episode, I am about to hit the music. I just wanted to check and see what month we posted that episode of, because as we know, it at one episode of the year, it was posted on January 24th, 2014. So we peaked month one of wow. that, that season. That's incredible. That can't be right. But Ben, I'm going to hit well, the music it was. Here. All right, Ben, well, that's the end of this episode. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that interview from the past seven years ago now. Can you believe it? Does not feel like that. But uh, thank you once again to Clay. Although we haven't spoken in years, we did enjoy that conversation. Ben, thanks for being here tonight. Oh, thank you. I'm Matt Anderson. We're the Sci-Fi Christians signing off.
Uh, we should maybe get an update on, on what you think about ghosts and, and all that paranormal stuff. What I think or what yeah, Clay well, thinks? Well, no, we. I mean, I don't think... You think it would be hard to reach Clay yeah, at this we point? We talk to Clay. I mean, I, I may be friends with him on Facebook, so I check. I mean, I, it would be just kind of weird, like, could we have you back on just to check on where you're at with ghosts? I actually think that's a great idea. I honestly do. I mean, I'm sure somebody that is friends with Clay is listening to this episode. Put us I in contact it. with Clay. Oh, no, I, I'm friends with him on Facebook. So if we wanted to make that happen, I could reach out to him. I, well, I just, I'm more curious where you're at with ghosts. You want to know what I personally yeah. think about ghosts. Okay, let's come back to that. Not tonight, but someday. Right. All right, listeners. So long, folks. Okay, goodbye.